but read the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus had to battle constantly against opposition and rejection. God was so good to the Jews. They were his chosen people. Yet, they rejected him. They rejected the Messiah. Down through the centuries in Old Testament times there was this prophet, this, this prophecy that a, a Messiah, a Savior was going to come. A deliverer who would be the king of the Jews. And the Israelites in Old Testament times were looking forward to the coming of the great Messiah, the Christ. But when he came, they took him and they crucified him. They rejected the prophets and they rejected the Son. The stone which the builders rejected, though, is become the head of the corner of the corner. And even although they rejected Jesus, God establishes him as the only Savior. There is no other name, no other way whereby men and women can be saved but through Jesus Christ. He is the head of the corner. I wonder, is he the head of the corner for you? Is he the altogether important one? The one upon whom you are building? The one who is the center of everything for you? Paul said, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. Can we say that? First, let's look at the vineyard presented to us here. It's a kind of garden where vines and grapes would be grown. It wasn't a wild area. It wasn't even an open field but it was specially planted and cultivated. A hedge was placed about it, a fence round it, so that no enemy could break in, so that no wild beasts could destroy it. And the one who planted the vineyard digged a wine press and built a tower, a tower which would act as a watchtower to guard against robbers. Everything that could be done was done for this vineyard and everything was of the best. Jesus here is making a picture of Israel. They were blessed than more than any other country, more than Eden and Moab, more even than Egypt and Assyria, God blessed Israel. 
To begin with, they were in a very low condition. They were slaves in the land of Egypt. But God took them from this poverty and this bondage and brought them out in a miraculous way and led them through the wilderness, feeding them with manna, bread from heaven, and with water from the flinty rock, brought them to the land of Canaan, cast out from before them seven nations greater and mightier than they, and planted them in this land of promise which flowed with milk and honey. And having planted them there, as it were, he let out the vineyard to husbandmen. The husbandmen stands for, in this case, the leaders. Notice in chapter 11 and verse 27, Jesus, walking in the temple, there came to him the chief priests and scribes and elders, saying, By what authority doest thou these things? The chief priests, leaders in the temple, worship. The scribes, they were the, the doctors of theology. The professors, the teachers, as it were, within the Jewish church. And then the elders, they were the, the leaders, the elders appointed in each town who were the, the leaders of God's people. Chief priests, scribes, and elders. It was let out to husbandmen. Now let's think of our own church today. How good God has been to us. What a rich heritage he has given us. How he has blessed us with his Bible, his own word. With a confession of faith that so beautifully expresses the leading teachings of the Bible. With scriptural worship and scriptural government. With godly ministers. And godly members in our churches. And he planted this vineyard in the barren highlands of Scotland, in the glens and in the islands. God has planted a vineyard. And I wonder, is God getting fruit from the vineyard that he has planted? That leads us then, secondly, to consider the rent or the vineyard. Having let it out, he goes into a far country, but he expects to receive rent. He expects the fruit of the vineyard to be paid to him. But sadly, the husbandmen to whom he let out the vineyard are self-seeking, concerned about their own power, and wealth. He sends a servant to them, servants representing the prophets. The servant comes with the master's authority. Thus saith the Lord, this is God's word to you. God is demanding action from you. God says, repent. Remember the message of Isaiah, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. 
The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is the old grown heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And the call of the prophet says, Repent, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die? And God is looking for rent. He's looking for repentance, and he's looking for faith, and he's looking for obedience, for good works, for love for, him, for himself, and for obedience to him. But what happens? The first servant comes along and asks for the rent, and they take him and they beat him up, and they send him back empty-handed. And what does the owner of the vineyard do? Does he immediately return from the far country in great anger to deal with these husbandmen? No. But he sends another servant. How long-suffering God is. If you and I were God, the moment our will was contradicted in our wrath, we would destroy these people. But God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he gives us opportunity after opportunity to consider our ways and to think about how we are behaving towards him and whether we are properly responding to his word. He sends messenger after messenger. The second messenger comes looking for rent and him they stone, they cast stones at him and wound him in the head and send him away. And other servants came, some they stoned and some they beat and some they killed. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For so persecuted they the prophets, which were before you, one after another, after another of the prophets, persecuted. Remember Elijah, in many ways, the, the first of the, of the prophets, the father of the prophets. He was described as a troubler of Israel and rejected. Remember Micaiah, Ahab said of him, he never speaks well of him. And they had put him into prison and fed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction. Remember Jeremiah, his feet were placed in the stocks. And then he was taken out of the stocks and he was thrown in a dungeon where he would have died but for Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, who came and delivered him. Remember Isaiah, the great evangelical prophet of the Old Testament. Tradition tells us that he was sawn in pieces. The Jews come to Jesus and they say, By what authority doest thou these things? They're trying to embarrass Jesus. What are your credentials? Curious. Who has ordained you? Curious your degrees, your certificates. We are in control of the church. We are in control of 
God's people and by what authority dearest thou these things? Who gave you the permission to chase the merchants out of the temple? Who gave you permission to go around preaching? What is the way Jesus answers? If Jesus had said to them, I have no credentials from men but from God, they would have laughed at him and mocked him as having no credentials. If he claimed to have credentials from God, again they would have laughed at him. But Jesus says, I also have a question to ask you. The baptism of John, was it from men or from God? And they begin to discuss the question amongst themselves. And it was a, co a connected question because John was the preparer for Jesus. He was the forerunner. He was the one who had said, He that cometh after me is prepared before me, the latchet of whose shoe I'm not worthy to stoop down to unloose. John was the one who pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the Messiah. He's the one on whom God's Spirit rests. It was a connected question because John was the one who pointed to Jesus. The baptism of John, is it from heaven or of men? And they thought among themselves, if we say it is from heaven, he will say then, why did you not believe him? And why do you not accept me as the great preacher, the great prophet, the teacher? And if we say the baptism of John is of men, then we're in danger because the common people, the crowds, and especially all these pagans gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover, they took Jesus to be they took rather John to be a prophet. And if they said that John was not a prophet, then the crowds were in danger of stoning them. So they replied to Jesus, We cannot tell. We don't know. But that was a blatant lie, wasn't it? They were being dishonest. They weren't prepared to say. John was beheaded, and really they were quite happy because they didn't like John or his message. I wonder, do you and I make excuses out of lies. Do we, do we give to God the place he should have? Do we pay the rent as it were for the vineyard? Do we love Jesus and worship and follow him? And then thirdly, Having sent prophet after prophet, or rather servant after servant, to the husbandmen, 
to those who are looking after the vineyard. The owner of the vineyard, having yet one son, his well-beloved, sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But what did they do? They said, This is the year. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. The owner of the vineyard eventually didn't just send a servant, but sent his son. Surely they'll respect my son. This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. But in their folly, they forgot that the owner of the vineyard was still alive. And sin, in its essence, is folly. It's madness to sin against God, the God who is almighty and the God who will punish. Sin is foolish. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. It is the fool that lives as if God did not exist. So, they took the son of the owner of the vineyard and they killed him and they cast him out of the vineyard. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoken times past unto our fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world prophets, one after another, speaking God's word, calling for obedience, calling for worship, for service to the Lord, and then the Son comes. And these last days have spoken unto us by his Son. But they took him and they crucified him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They were running the vineyard, and they were running it for their own benefit, to please themselves. Not for the owner, but rather for their own interests. Surely we must guard, and we must be very careful that we do not run our churches, or our lives, for ourselves, in a selfish way for our own interests, or our own advancement, or our own glory. We must run our churches for the glory of God. For what is the church? It is the vineyard of the Lord. And that vineyard is to be yielding fruit to God. It's not for us to exploit, to make ourselves, as it were, fat, on God's vineyard. And similarly, when you think of the vineyard of your own soul and my own vineyard, again, as individuals, it's so important for us to give our hearts and our lives to him. Son, daughter, give me thine heart. 
finally notice the anger of the owner of the vineyard. What will he do? He will come and he will destroy them and give the vineyard unto others. They have not only maltreated his servants, but they have killed his son, his well-beloved. And so he will come and destroy them and give the vineyard to others. And this is what happened. God brought his destruction upon the Jews and gave the vineyard and gave the gospel to others. And down through the centuries, no people have suffered as the Jews have suffered. And up to this point in time, to a large extent, the gospel has been taken from the Jews. Yes, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There are the ones and twos amongst the Jews who are born again and come to enjoy the blessings of the gospel. But the majority, the vast majority, there is still a veil over their eyes, a blindness, a darkness, and they don't know the way of salvation through the true Messiah. What a warning this is to us. Will God take his vineyard from us? The vineyard that he planted in the sky and in the highlands of Scotland, in our land. Will he take the vineyard from the free church? It's a challenge to us to consider our ways. To remember that God sees selfishness. He sees pride. He sees lust. He sees idolatry. And God is looking for fruit. The fruit of repentance. Being sorry for sin. The fruit of faith. Trusting. Depending upon the Lord. God is looking for the fruit of love. You and I loving him with all our heart. He's looking for praise and worship from us. He's looking for us to glorify him. He's looking for us to be witnesses on his side. He's looking for us to do his work living for him in this world and shining with his light in the darkness. stone which the builders rejected. It's a traditional story which tells us that when they were building the temple of the Lord, that the stones were shaped in the quarry so that no uh, tool, no hammer would be used or chisel would be used on the stones at the building site of the temple on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. And then the stones were taken and carried to Temple Mount. And there they were built. And there was one odd-shaped stone. And they couldn't understand why a stone had a strange shape. And they threw it to one side. 
lyrically covered in moss as they built the temple. But as they built, they discovered that there was one keystone missing, one critical cornerstone. And they were looking everywhere for the stone, and they couldn't find it. Till someone thought of the odd-shaped stone. There it was, covered with moss. But it was the one which, which fitted exactly into the corner. Christ, the rejected one, but the cornerstone. Chosen of God and precious. How do you deal with Jesus? Do you throw him to one side? Or do you take him into your heart and life? Is he to you the missing stone, the critical one, the one who holds the building together, the one on whom the building is built, as it were? What think ye of Christ? At the end of the day, there's no more crucial question than that. If you love Christ and trust in Christ and receive and obey Christ, then you're blessed. But if not, the Lord of the vineyard will come and will take from you the privileges of the vineyard and destroy you. As individuals, we have to make sure that we give to God his place and to Jesus his place. And we have to look to in our churches to make sure that we are worshipping, serving, trusting in, living for our God so that we're not self-seeking, earthly, worldly, but rather God-glorifying. Are we giving the fruit to God that we should? Or are we barren and unfruitful? Let us pray. Gracious and ever-blessed God, help us to take thy word and to apply it to ourselves. Help us to learn from it and keep us from going astray in any way, from thee and from thy ways. Do thou lead, guide, and direct us, and show us the way forward. And grant, Lord, that thou wouldst be our refuge and our strength, our hope, our stay, our encouragement. In thee we trust. Grant thy blessing to be upon us each one, so that we would seek Jesus and make him the cornerstone of our lives. In his name we pray. Amen.